Hey, it's John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and it's The Entrepreneurial You, the show for dedicated and passionate Caribbean entrepreneurs seeking daily inspiration, brought to you by author, speaker, and award-winning entrepreneur, Henneka Watkins-Porter. You must be prepared to ignite. Every child is an artist. The problem is staying an artist when you grow up. Pablo Picasso. Greetings, howdy, howdy, everybody. How are you doing today? It is episode 110 of the Entrepreneurial You podcast. I'm Henneke Watkins Porto. Today's episode is with James Taylor. James started his career managing high-profile rock stars and is now an in-demand keynote speaker and internationally recognized leader in business, creativity, and innovation. For over 20 years, he has been advising CEOs, entrepreneurs, educators, government leaders, writers, and rock stars on how to build innovative organizations, unlock creative potential, and increase productivity. I'm so looking forward to our conversation. We'll be just talking about leading with creativity to achieve entrepreneurial success. Hey, James, welcome. It's good to have you. Hey, there's absolute pleasure being with you today. And congratulations. You've got you've done over 100 uh, episodes. That's no mean feat. So congratulations on that as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So before we dive in, I have a little question for you because I know you're a globetrotter. <laughs> I am indeed. <laughs> have you ever visited Jamaica? No, I haven't. I've been to the Caribbean before, but I've yet to come to Jamaica. So that this needs, and also before I became a speaker and doing other things, my very first thing I ever did when I left school, I was a professional musician. And my father was a musician, my grandfather was a musician, and I'm a drummer. So I absolutely want to get out to Jamaica because you have some of the most incredible music there. So that, that's one of my goals. I want to learn learn from some great percussion players in Jamaica. We've got to make that happen. I am putting it out there. We've got to make it happen. I mean, you can't be traveling the world and not be in Jamaica. That's just not fair, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anyways, let's move into our topic, which is leading with creativity to achieve entrepreneurial success. Now, I want you to give us a scoop on your journey, James, before we dive into it. Give us a scoop because you're traveling the world speaking, you're doing all these amazing things. Just take us a little through your journey. Yeah. So as I mentioned of today, what I do is I travel around the world. I give about 50 keynotes uh, a year and I've just come back from India and my uh, favorite place in the world. Yay. Yeah. (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful country, wonderful people. And I'm just about to head out to speak in the Middle East and then in South America and Brazil. Um, And so today, this is what I get to do. So I speak to corporations, to leaders uh, all over the world. But I started my, 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 father was a I mentioned was a guitar player my grandfather was a bass player initially when I first left school I became a professional musician and I loved doing that but after a while I got a little bit bored um, because you do, it feels like the same thing every single time when you're going out playing gigs all the time so I started managing the careers of music artists and I actually found I really love the entrepreneurial nature the business nature of building other uh, artists careers and their brands so I started doing that and I managed to work with some amazing artists, uh, work with Grammy Award winners, um, lot, you know, platinum selling music artists. And then around 2010, I got asked to move to California, to Silicon Valley area. 
to be involved in an online education company to help grow that business. And we grew that business really fast. Uh, and it, so it was a completely different area, an area I didn't really have much background in, but they, they brought me in. I became the vice president of that company. And then I was getting asked to speak more and more in different places to speak about creativity, about you know how to develop your creativity, but also how to develop more innovative organizations. And then I started really getting into this whole world of AI, artificial intelligence and AI and where we're kind of going over the next few years. Um, and that's how I arrived at this place today. And I, I count myself very lucky to be able to wake up every morning doing something I, I absolutely love. Oh, my God, just listening to it. And I'm so excited. No, I first met you um, unbeknownst to you, I'm sure. Not 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 physically, but uh, by <laughs> <laughs> via a podcast. And I'm sure that's the same conference that you both speak of the Inspiring Talk um, podcast with yeah. BJ out of India. Yeah, yes. yeah fantastic. I, I saw BJ just last month as well when I was in India. He's doing incredible things. Yeah, he and I are partnering on some things as well. So that's how I learned of you initially through the Inspiring Talk podcast. And I thought, you know, you've been nice to to have you on the Entrepreneurial You as well. And BJ did tell me that he's actually going to speak at that conference. So, yes, great. Small world after all, right? Exactly. (laughs) All right. So is creativity a team sport or an individual game? See, I believe that it's creativity is collaborative. Creativity is a a team sport. I think in our culture, we often like when I was in the music industry, we'd often the media would portray the, the person with the microphone in their hand on stage or the guitar player. Um, as as the creative one but as an audience member if you're at a festival or you're a show and you know thousands of people tens of thousands of people in the audience what you don't often see is the 100 to 200 people backstage behind the scenes who are just as much a part of making that a creative show as the person with the microphone but what's happened over the years is because just in our culture you know we we love this idea of the the lone creative genius with the microphone in their hand or the 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 ceo on the front cover of the magazine but if, if you've ever worked in any kind of organization you'll know that it's not just the ceo that builds the business it's everyone around them so i believe that very much that creativity is a team sport it's collaborative it's really about how you develop um a creative culture in an organization that's actually more important than the individual people within it Mm-hmm. So it takes a village. <laughs> it does. It absolutely takes a village. Yes. So now how do we unlock creativity in, in, in people and teams? Because, you know, we think that we hear creativity and we think, you know, it's rocket science, really. How do we unlock that creativity in people? Are people naturally creative? Yeah. So so what all, all the studies show us is we're all born with almost unlimited creative potential that's we're all i mean if, if you've any spent any time with a four-year-old or a five-year-old giving them some crayons or some paints you see them get completely immersed in what they're doing creating these lose all track of time and what psychologists would call a flow state it's a really beautiful thing to to watch but then often what happens is we go to school um, and we go to university and into business and that, that kind of gets knocked out of us, that creativity. In fact, in, in, in America, it's called the fifth, uh, the fourth grade slump, where you actually see cre- kids' creativity levels start to decline. Because what happens at those ages is you start to get taught, these are the conventions, these are the rules, these are the ways to do things. And that's, that's important. You, know, you need to know what the rules are. But then as adults, especially as entrepreneurs, we need to see those rules as useful signposts 
but we're willing to challenge them to try new things, to develop new products and services that maybe other people think are completely crazy. So my call, call to arms, call to action for a lot of entrepreneurs is re- find that, like you said, that Picasso quote right at the start, re- reconnect with that creativity, that natural creativity that you were born with. Maybe you feel you've lost over the years. And there's lots of ways that we can do that. And maybe we, we can talk about some, some ideas in, in order how to start reconnecting with that creativity. So you kind of alluded to my question earlier when you talked about the, the, you know, the artists on stage and stuff. But when we think about creativity, because sometimes, you know, we, we get carried away, we get caught up and think only musicians and, um, you know, artists are creative people and can be creative. No, dispel that notion. Well, I mean, the, the Elizabeth Gilbert actually uh, talked a lot about this as well. She wrote a great book called Big Magic. And in, in Big Magic, she actually mentions how this idea of this lone creative genius is quite a new concept. Um, really, if you look back in the in the ancient world or any any culture, regardless of where you are in the world, uh, if you go back to the origins, a lot of these places, it was always felt that that we were vessels for creativity. Now, the inspiration and creativity flowed through us. Now, that creativity, that inspiration may come from a higher power or nature or if you're in God or the environment or the people around you. In fact, if you've ever been somewhere and that place has inspired you, maybe you've been on a beautiful beach or you've been in a, a gallery and it's inspired you, you're experiencing what the ancient Greeks called the genius loci, the idea that places themselves can have their own genius. So if you start to think about it as that way, what happens if you think about yourself as a vessel for creativity and creative genius rather than I am, the individual is the creative genius, then it does a number of really interesting things. First of all, if something doesn't go right, it's not all of your fault because it's complicated. There's lots of different factors at play. But when things do go right and you have that great creative success with a project, you can't take all of the credit because it's not all of you. It may have been your mentors, your advisors, the, the people, the team that supported you, your customers, your clients, your suppliers – that have helped you get there. So this idea, the creativity is very much an individual thing, that's only really came back from about 1500s. But before then, in pretty much any culture you look at in the world, it was very much felt that we were vessels for creativity. And I think that's a much better way of thinking about your own creativity is thinking of yourself as a vessel for it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we know that the environment is important. Now, what kind of an environment do you think most facilitates the creativity, you know, um, in both individually and when we're collaborating as a team. So in terms of the physical environment, um, there's a number of things there. Actually, it's interesting. They, they did a big study at University of British Columbia and also University of Berlin. And they looked at the effect of colors on creativity. And they found that certain colors are very good for certain types of things. So, for example, if you're doing work requires high attention to detail, you want to have the color red around you because it activates certain parts of the brain that makes you very better on detail. However, if you're looking in that stage of the creative process where you're looking to generate ideas and open your mind up a little bit more, it's actually been found that the best colors to have around you are the colors blue and and really the color green. That green that you have when you're out in nature, when you have, you know, the the trees and the plants and things, that color green is has a a special effect on activating a part of our brain to generate ideas. So the first thing I would ask is, 
are you getting out in nature? Are you out walking around in that color green? You know, it's one of the reasons why so many people get some of their best ideas when out just walking, walking in a park, walking in nature, walking on the beach, when those kind of colors are around them. That's the first part. That's the physical environment, I guess. The second part is the team context. Um, so there's a number of things that you can do here. I would say probably the, the biggest one is we've probably all been in those brainstorming sessions where you have to go into a brainstorming session with a group of people and some people want to be there some people don't want to be there so there's a couple of things you can do in order to create more innovative creative brainstorming or, or ideation sessions the the number one thing you want to try and avoid is i don't know if you've you've ever uh, felt this Henneke, but you go into a, a brainstorming session and there's one person it's usually a man and somehow their ideas end up dominating the board. So we have to stop that because you're not getting the best of everyone in the room. So the, the, the first thing actually do you set up, up to win. Some people, especially if, if someone that's more of an engineering background or a math background or, you know, they're quieter, they're not a type A personality. They enjoy doing their thinking before they even come into the room. They, they're not very improvisational. So what you want to do is tell everyone in advance. This is the challenge. This is the problem we're trying to solve. Have a think about it first, and then tomorrow at 2 p.m. we're going to get together. So that will help some people just think in advance. When everyone gets into the room, everyone should be given pens, post-it notes, you know, uh, paper. No one should be allowed to dominate the board. That's a really key thing. And a, a real cool area, there's a, a friend of mine um, uh, who just wrote a book called uh i think it's called uh, why questions are the answer uh his name's hal he's a professor at mit uh university and he said which i think is absolutely brilliant you should spend the first 10 minutes of any brainstorming session you do brainstorming the question and not the answer mm. wow okay yeah so i mean often when we what happens when we go to a brainstorming ideation session Everyone, okay, this is the problem. Let's think about all different solutions to this. That's that's okay. A much better way to do it is like is think and spend the first 10 minutes brainstorming, well, is this the real question? Is this the challenge? Well, why is this important? I mean, being, being that five-year-old again, why, 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 why? <laughs> Asking why, drilling down. And what you'll often find at the end of that 10 minutes is you've, you've reframed the question you reframe what the, the challenge or the opportunity is. And then so when you go into start brainstorming ideas, actually it could become much more open, much more creative and potentially much more innovative. So th those are just a couple of ideas for how you can you can do that in, in a more team context. And, you know, there is also one I remember when I was listening to your your episode with BJ and your, I think you, you shared that what you can do is you start perhaps on the whiteboard with a few, maybe three of the solutions and then you get sticky notes and you each pass it around to the right or so that at the end of it everybody gets to to add something different so of course that also will kind of eliminate that dominant you know that one dominant person from exactly that, that, and that, that's very good it's called brain writing instead of brainstorming and that's very good if you're in an environment where you've got people in the room who are not naturally you know, they're, they're, they're not the, the, the loudest person in the room. You've got a group of quieter people, especially if I work with engineers, for example, or accountants. They're, they're not as verbal as maybe you or I would be if we, you know, because we're used to being on stages. So that's a very useful exercise to do is just give everyone a piece of paper, start with three things up on the board and or the challenge and then have people, OK, write down a series of ideas, ideas, solutions, things that come to your head around this particular problem. 
you ring the bell after a few minutes, then they pass the piece of paper to the le- person to their left or the right. And then that person then adds more ideas or maybe uh, continues an idea that was written on. And you basically continue that for 20 minutes or so. And then all those ideas are then put up in the board. And that allows you to also deal with the, the issue, which is in some countries and companies, not all, where you have seniority, where the, the, the most junior person is frightened to speak up because uh, they don't want to be disrespectful for the most senior person. And also the most senior person sometimes doesn't want to look stupid. So this, by having it, writing it down and not assigning it to anyone in particular, uh, when it goes up on the board, then that opens that up as well. Fantastic. So now we have all these great ideas, right? How do we now then determine which ones to keep, which ones to scrap, which ones to, you know, perhaps implement down the road? How do we uh, make that decision? So there's a number of things. When I do creativity workshops, we go through a whole different series of tools that people can, uh, organizations can use to evaluate ideas. Um, you know, a really good one, probably the one of the simplest ones is evaluating ideas based upon your values. So I would encourage you, if you don't know what your core values are, your top five values, I would spend a little bit of time doing that work, either with yourself or with a coach. Um, and then what you want to do, with, let's say if you have your top five values, you want to think, well, what is the order of those values? What is the, my most important value, the second most important, third most important, and so on? Because sometimes what happens is when you're trying to evaluate, let's say, okay, I can go, and the other day I got asked to go and speak at two different events on, on the same day. And I was trying to say, well, which one do I want to accept? Which of these offers do I want to accept? And it, it required me to go back to my values. And even though this one job had the opportunity to, to hit really one of those values, which it paid very, very well, there was a the other one, which, which paid slightly less, but offered me more opportunities for learning growth um, was the one I ended up going for because learning and growth is my most important value. So I think everyone has to find for themselves what their values are and what the rankings are for those. And then all you have to do is you look at these options, say, which of these most aligns with my values and what I'm trying to do in my mission in the world? That's the simplest way that you can evaluate ideas. And I guess that's why it's very important to make sure that our team members are in alignment to our vision or mission statements and so on. Because at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it all boils down to the vision, the why. Why are we doing what we're doing in the first place? So it's interesting to note that you know, I had someone had came on the show once and we talked about, you know, creative ideas and getting and brainstorming in the boardroom and stuff. But sometimes beyond the boardroom, you know, after apparently the excitement wanes and the novelty leaves, then implementation is a problem. How do we maintain that level of excitement and um, euphoria to go into implement implementation state and it's not just ideas that we've come up with a, a great set of ideas yeah so I, th- I think you have to there's lots of different ways you can do it. it often it depends on the size of the organization and the size of the team if it's if you're just a solopreneur then you have the most flexibility in how you and how you do that the downside is it can come become overwhelming very quickly because you have everything to do if you have a smaller team then i think it's it's often about figuring out timelines in which you do things. So for example, initially when I used to start working with our team, we have a small team of five people 
And the goals we used to set were just, we just set basically big annual goals. You know, these are the big things we want to do in a year. But then they felt like there wasn't really push on it. So, okay, maybe what we need to do is we need to shorten it to uh, every three months. We need to have three monthly goals. These are, these are the projects we're going to work on in the next three months. But it, even then, it didn't feel quite as strong. And then what we did is, we, okay, let's do what we call in, in Agile, it's called sprints, which are two-week sprints. Uh, we're, so, okay, we know all we're going to focus on is what we need to do for the next two weeks. And then once we've done that, we're going to focus on the next two weeks. And then gradually these will build up. And that worked really, really well. But it starts to burn out the team after a while if you have a very small, small team. So we ended up finding what worked better for us, the size that we are and what the work we do is about a month. You know, if we have these monthly goals, everyone kind of gets behind them. And then we think about how we're going to break down those goals. I think you have to find for yourself in order to keep up that level of excitement, but not feel overwhelmed by all the things you have to do. You kind of need to experiment a little bit and find out what that is. For some of you, that is going to mean doing uh, like sprints like we talk about in if you look at uh, the lean startup check out for that book that's got a great example of doing sprints which is working in two-week frameworks uh, two-week sprints on things um, you will achieve a lot and just experiment try try that so let's say you've got this idea of this project okay let's break it down into two-week chunks what do we need to do in this two weeks then next two weeks next two weeks and then just really get laser focused on what you're doing in those two weeks and the objectives for then. If that feels too much, you know, so you feel like this is you're feeling too overwhelmed or whatever, extend it out. Try it. Try a month. Maybe it's better to, for you to be thinking in breaking things down into into in terms of a month. And then an, another very useful book, if you're thinking in terms of months or things working in quarters, is a great book called Measure What Matters. And uh, it, it talks about what's called OKRs, Objectives and Key Results. And this is how Google works. This is how Intuit works. Even U2, the band U2, has OKRs in the band. So everyone in the band and all the crew and everyone knows their OKRs. They know this is the key objectives for this quarter or this month. And here are the key results that each of us, so you have a, as, a, as a group, as a whole, these are the key results we're going to achieve and then what is well, what does that mean to me? What are the key results that I need to deliver over the next four weeks? And that's another way of breaking it down. Absolutely. And one of the one of my favorite tools, which I normally go like for one hundred days, which I use mm. John Lee Dumas's uh, Master Journal. Yeah, and that's great. that for me has been uh, because I, you know, as a creative person, I guess all of us as humans, we struggle with focus from time to time. And so for me to really focus. Um, that was really great. That tool re really helped me in yeah. narrowing, you know, focus, discipline so that I can be productive. Yeah. And, and then and I'm going to say, so that's, so but all of those are obviously goal orientated of ways of looking at work. You don't have to do that. There is an, a completely different view of the world and a different way of doing things, which can work equally well. And it would just, ha you have to find out if it works for you, which says, Rather than focusing on goals, I'm going to focus on process, so, which says, let's say uh, I'll use weight, losing weight. Rather than say I want to lose um, so many pounds this month, you would say every day I am going to do something active. Every day I'm going to go out for a walk. Every day I'm going to go for a run. Every day I'm going to do yoga. And so what you focus is more on the process rather than the outcomes. But the outcomes will often come, that will just happen just by sheer value of you doing the outcomes. So let's say for me as a speaker, 
um, if, if, if it was a speaker that was doing that, they would say, okay, every day I'm going to pitch myself to a conference. That's it. So by the end of the month, you'll have pitched 30 conferences on yourself. And it's not a big goal. It's not you saying, you know, by the end of the month, I want to have booked four speaking gigs. But you know, if you do your job right, and if you pitch the right kind of conferences in the right kind of way that they have budgets, then a certain percentage of them will convert. And then it's just thinking about what does that daily amount need to be? Maybe I need to be contacting five conferences or companies a day. And I'm not going to get too focused on the end outcome. I'm going to get really focused on the process of just doing that every day if I just focus on doing that. Absolutely. And that makes sense. You know, whatever works for you, my friend, my peak performers, mm-hmm. do that. Do that. Yep. James, oh my gosh, I have been inspired by you. Each time I listen, I really do get inspiration. I know my peak performers have been inspired as well. So I want to ask you at this point to kind of give us a closing, some closing thoughts, and then you can just go into your virtual summit and how our community might be in touch with you. So go right ahead. Sure. So we all, we often hear this thing about mission statements, like everyone should have a mission statement in life. Um, so I'm going to challenge everyone that's listening to this just now. Something I heard Ed Catmull, who's a founder of Pixar, who made like Toy Story, these great animations. He said, instead of having mission statements, how about we have mission questions? So think about, could you turn that mission statement that you have into maybe a series of two or three questions? So rather than saying, I'm going to be the number one in X, Y, Z niche in my area. Instead, turn these into questions. What could I do today that could help me become number one? What could I do to provide the most value to my audience? You turn something from mission statements into mission questions, it suddenly becomes a lot more freeing and opens yourself up to more creative ideas. That's the first thing. That's my thing I'm going to leave everyone with just now. If people want to learn more uh, about me, they can go to jamestaylor.me. But uh, we actually have, I know we have got a special thing here for all of your listeners. And a lot of people are really interested about doing the kind of work I do, which is going on the world, traveling around the world speaking on a topic that they're passionate about and getting paid to to do it, which is really fun. Um, So if they go to internationalspeakersummit.com, internationalspeakersummit.com, and I'm sure we'll have a link here, then you can get a free pass to be able to learn from myself and 120 of the world's best professional speakers. And you can learn about how they build their business, how they get booked to speak on stages, how how they raise their fees, how they find speaker bureaus to work with. Absolutely. I'm sure we're all going to want to check that out. (laughs) Thank you so much, James. I really appreciate you coming on. I've been speaking my peak performers with James Taylor. Again, James, thank you. My absolute pleasure. And I wish everyone a wonderfully creative life. Thank you for tuning in to this episode with James Taylor. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until next time, I want you to visit hennikawatkissporter.com and see which of my programs will serve you best as your inspirational leader. I have several resources that you can leverage to level up. Of course, there's an online podcasting workshop there. Of course, there's also resources from John Lee Dumas, The Master Journal, The Freedom Journal, Podcasters Paradise, 
all those resources. And of course, if you're in Jamaica, there is Leadercast Kingston that is just around the corner. It's happening May 10 at the Nutsford Court Hotel. So I want you, if you want to know how to lead healthy teams this year, that is the focus for Leadercast, leading healthy teams. So come on over, become aware of how it is that you can leverage that conference, the largest one-day leadership event in the world, to be a better leader, to have organizational success. Of course, there's a 20% discount going on right now. So when you visit com slash leadercast dash Kingston, you will find all the details that you need to make that decision. Again, 20% discount. So go right ahead or run over. <laughs> Remember, You were born to win, but to be a winner, you must plan to win, prepare to win, and expect to win. What good? We needed to raise capital, but our experience with local financial institutions was that they were cautious and slow to act, and interest rates were far too high. We had real concerns about financing our business through outside equity investors and the possibility of interference. Could we get a fair valuation for our business? We had our own ideas about the business and its value. Should I go the traditional route of bank financing or should I try the Jamaica Stock Exchange? So we made a call and experienced transformation of our business through conversations. I'm John Mahfoud, CEO of Jamaican Teas and we're listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. Give us a call today at 876-967-3271 to begin your transformation through conversation. We want to see your company listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange.